The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. It's TV and streaming time with Joe Shane, Jennifer Gannon. And Jennifer, here's a really odd one to start. Now, this is for British television, mm. although what happens there can happen here. The idea that TV stations will be allowed to run longer advertising breaks to help them face the competition from streaming services like Netflix and Disney. How will that actually manage to keep their audiences if people find that there's even longer breaks over an hour? Well, this is the thing. I think we even saw it with Love Island on ITV2 this year. There was a lot of talk on social media about how many ads were breaking up the show and it felt very American where you'd have, you know, five minutes of actual show before cutting into a break and so on. And you know, ads shown per hour on television, they're at an all-time high um, in the UK and that's across, like, networks. Uh, and they're not as high as they are in Ireland, though, are they? No, and, uh, like, I mean, with uh, with Irish TV, it's it's very different. They have, like, very different... The com- commercial broadcasters may not exceed 18% of their broadcast day on advertising. But if and you could have 12 minutes per hour on Virgin, and I think on RT, because... They don't rely solely on commercial advertising or commercial revenue, revenue. because they have the license fee as well. I think it's an average six to eight minutes. Nine an hour. minutes, yeah. Or nine think, is yeah, the maximum. Yeah. But they can't have nine in every hour of the day. Exactly. Not that they would have in the earlier hours anyway. Yeah, I mean, ads, like they're. Uh, Product placement, I think, is going to be the biggest thing. That's where shows are going to make their money. On reality shows like TOWIE, you know, The Only Way is Essex, Essex, Made in Chelsea and Love Island, they all have product placement already. And I can see that creeping into other types of shows. And it really is because, you know, this is... How do these shows get made? When you're looking at something like on Channel 4, like It's a Sin or Help, these are prestige shows that have high production values that, you know, have to compete against Netflix uh, output and any streaming services output. We expect this standard of TV now and that's, you know, the only way that they can afford to make these type of shows. And I do think it's funny that MPs in the UK are disgruntled about this when the Tory government are trying to dismantle the ad-free BBC at the same time. So the call is coming from inside the house. I don't know what they want. Listener says, I'm late 40s, haven't watch TV in the last three years. I watch what I want when I want ad-free. You can only imagine what the younger generation are doing. Uh, another one says, American TV is unwatchable with all the ads. Would not be a positive development. But yet, I suppose, uh, Joe Shea, the reason maybe that the TV companies, the terrestrial companies, are thinking of this is if they see the likes of Netflix introducing advertising, then yeah. one of the strongest selling points in the likes of Netflix, the absence of ads goes away. So if everyone has ads, then they might yeah. as well make as much money out of ads as they can. Yeah, they might as well. And and we heard that Netflix are thinking of introducing this lower price subscription model where you will get ads blasted at you. I mean, this is, on the face of it, sounds crazy for uh, TV broadcasters to think that this is the way to, to, you know, a sustainable business model because people will just switch off. Anybody who's been to the US and watched uh, TV in America will know it's practically unwatchable. It's interesting that Jen mentioned Love Island. Last year, Love Island made £73 million uh, sterling from their advertising, right? And part of it, and what Love Ireland are starting to do, is to, commercial partnerships. Yes, product placement, where Wicked, for instance, pay to have a, a bottle of Wicked, you know, somewhere in the show. But also O2, Virgin, eBay, Reddit, they're all uh, major sponsors with, with Love Island this year. And what they're doing is, is more of a kind of a partnership where you're not just blasting people with traditional ads. You're kind of getting in there so they can kind of ride off the popularity of Love Island. So people, are, the advertisers and the broadcasters are just going to have to be smart 
smarter about this. You can't just put more ads into programmes. Okay, let's move on. And given that we've mentioned Love Island, unfortunately, this is Jennifer Gannon's last day with us because she's <laughs> moving off to a new job and won't be available to us in the future. So I have to let you talk about Love Island. Thanks. And <laughs> I, I would worry for Jack Keating, uh, son of Roland Keating and Yvonne Connolly, because the mere fact that he's Roland Keating's son is possibly going to leave him open to the same type of abuse that Michael Owen's daughter is mm. getting, isn't it? Yeah, well, I'm worried about him for different reasons because he's very pale. He's pale like me. And <laughs> he's going to get burnt sunburned. Like I get dehydrated just looking at him. Watching so, him. I mean, yeah. like, it looked like he was going to turn pink just under the studio light. So I don't know how he's going to cope out there. But um, he's made a beeline for Gemma anyway, who's Michael Owen's daughter. And they have that connection of both being, as they say, nepo babies, nepotism babies. And um, ah, that's unfair. That's <laughs> well, unfair. This, okay. this is the they're the children why of famous people. And lots, the, there are lots see, of people on Love Island who are not famous. So why should they be discriminated? This is what is happening with TV in general. It's the way of the reality world. It's the way of the entertainment industry these days. Everyone wants familiar IP, so you get your audience hooked in straight away. So it's not enough to have these influencers on Instagram anymore on reality shows. You have to have these kids of the famous in so we could observe them. It's like, you know, the way no TV show ever ends. Every TV show and film is getting reassessed and rebooted. Prequels and sequels are everywhere. This is the era in culture that we're living in. That culture is actually eating itself. And that's why you're getting this, where you're getting famous people's kids plugged into these TV shows. He's a nice guy though, but I don't think he's going to last in Casa Amor because that is ruthless. Because he's too nice, Joe, too is nice. he? Yes, he he's, he's, he's really kind of kind of Irish lad on holidays. You know, he's, uh, he's, he's not got enough sunblock on. He's definitely doesn't know how to kind of operate in the same kind of uh, arena as a kind of a more the more ruthless kind of chat up artist in there as well so I don't I don't think he's going to last that long which is a pity because he seems like a nice a nice kid Alright okay uh, let's get the picks of the weekend because we're running short on time what are you going for Joe? Um, if you're on social media and especially on Twitter these days you'll know that there's this huge cultural debate and war about transgender rights and, and trans rights in general and trans people there's a fascinating documentary tonight on Channel 4 called The Extraordinary Life of April Ashley and it's on at 10pm tonight and just to give you a very quick pre- uh, pre- what, what it is April Ashley was this very famous model, dancer, restaurateur uh, went from the slums of Liverpool, wartime Liverpool grew up there and became a Vogue model in Paris and then in the late 1950s was outed, or in the 60s actually, was outed by a tabloid newspaper as transgender. Uh, April Ashley had gone for uh, sex reassignment uh, surgery, as they call it at the time, in Casablanca. Uh, and it became this huge, huge scandal. And this is an extraordinary life. And it also has echoes to what's going on today in how the subject is treated, in how uh, people, are, how the tabloid newspaper news in general came to this kind of story. And, and then and Joe, it's very interesting, it. you know, given the culture yeah. wars at present, that she was actually war a mem- MBE, member of the British yes. Empire, for services to transgender equality, yeah. which shows that at least, I don't know when that happened, that yeah. this current sort of culture war that some of the British are trying to report from the United States didn't yeah. exist. Exactly. I mean, and, and there was another interesting, fascinating story that I won't get into detail, but of a former uh, World War II Battle of Britain pilot who, who was, who became trans, uh, trans, uh, transgender. So, like, it was, it seemed to have been more acceptable, bizarrely, if you, uh, you know, in the not too distant past, where people were more open about this or willing to talk about it. And it's only become a, a, a huge culture war issue now. So I think that's going to be, it's 10 o'clock, Channel 4 tonight, The Extraordinary Life of April Ashley. Okay. What's your pick, please, Jennifer? It is Blackbird. It's on Apple 
TV Plus on Friday. Now, this is a huge all-star cast of Taron Edgerton, uh, Greg Kinnear, and I think it's one of the last uh, roles that Ray Liotta played. Um, and it's by a Mystic River writer, uh, Dennis Lahan. Oh, he's, he's a great writer. He was a guest on this programme many years ago, but he's a terrific writer. So he's the showrunner of this and it is a big prestige offering and it has that kind of dis- like eeriness of the first season of True Detective. So it's inspired by James Keane's true crime memoir, In With The Devil. And Taron Edgerton plays Keane. He's a football hero turned criminal. He ends up behind bars and he makes this deal with this maximum security prison uh, to befriend this suspected serial killer. And if he elicits a confession from this very gentle, unnervingly gentle Larry Hall, he'll walk free. And then the kind of series, it weaves in this neurotic narrative, these fantasies and the lies of Hall kind of mixed with supposed facts that shape, you know, Keane's longing to be released. So you don't know it's playing against the two. Like, do you trust this man who's telling the truth? Where where does the truth lie? So it's really gritty, very graphic, but uh, it looks like it will be one of those, you know, much talked about crime serials. Okay. Well, as I said, it's our last time to chat in this slot. Of course, you do have succession to look forward to. If the filming has started, apparently. (laughs) Season four is being filmed right now. The Roy boys are in the thick of it, as they say right now. And I don't know, people are getting like moody on Reddit about it, saying like, oh, the show is, you know, going to be exactly the same. But it's like, what do they want it to be? Gilmore Girls? It's always going to be about a power play. I binge watched series three recently when I was lying down on the sofa with my COVID. I watched the entire series three again over the space of three days and it was just wonderful to watch and to catch all the nuances again. So I'm looking forward to season four. Jennifer Gannon, thank you for all your contribution over many years here (laughs) on The Last Word. Good luck in your new job. Joe Shea, we'll talk to you next week. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM, it all happens here.